pajamas. Here comes Bandmiss. There's so many cardboard candidates to choose for the band hammers. And this is the format cutting lard. Instead of one line stepper, we'll ban eight crazy cards. When you feel like you're the only kid in town without for Ragavan, here's a list of cards that are problematic that we'd sure like to ban. Allosaurus Shepherd, light it on fire. Grizzlebrand and Urza Saga, join it on the pyre. Guess who gets launched into the EDH sun? Bane of Progress and Tazova on Very Fun. Cyclonic Rift's a problem. Wheel of Fortune 2. You know what, while you're at it, throw in Opposition Agent 2. We don't need Mystic Study to smother all the tides. These must have stifled creative and innovative deck design. Both band. Put on your pajamas. It's time for bandness. These products are only for bananas. So celebrate Bandmiss. Sensei's Divining Top. Unban it when. Guess who else? Let's take a minute and look at Loris of the Dream Den. They killed Renin Six. And why not Past in Flames? Yogwill was already banned. Aren't they all just the same? Some people agree that Oko Thief of Crown should, well he is, but guess who ain't? Oro is too good. So many bands are needed in the legacy. Stoneforge isn't, but Yorion will see. Tell your friend Seamus, it's time to celebrate Bandless. Lovely, lovely Bemis. So drink your great Fantas and smoke up all your cannabis. If you really, really wanna come, have a happy, 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 happy Bemis. Happy Bemis. Nuke the format. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I am your host Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Happy Asmore, Asmore and Amarika Dicina Coldacar to you, sir. Good to be back. Right back at you with that Asmore and Amarika Dicina Coldacar. Yeah, man. Uh, this is going to be an interesting episode, as uh, you you probably heard in the uh, with the intro song. We're talking about the eight crazy bands, right? Eight cards that we think that uh, could see play, and we think there will be a lot of them. And why is that, Phil? So our idea here as to why we're going to talk about this now, this isn't necessarily a an episode where we're going to talk about bands like oh, what we think should go, what we think needs to go. This is less so a band discussion of like a. a a normal ban hammer episode and more a they said before eternal weekend that they would take a look at the format look at the results and then take action if they felt that they would need it so far they have not communicated at all what they think after seeing the data from 
Eternal Weekend. So we think that they're, rather than them neglecting the format, we think they're putting more time into what the format needs. And so they're looking beyond just the obvious cards that should go. What else needs to go to actually change up the format in such a way where decks are more diverse and there are more things to do and uh, really just a nice refresher that it seems like everybody's longing for. And, yeah, uh, you know, uh, obviously hey, we turn to our- This is for you, if you will. Yeah, we turn to our buddy, Adam Sandler, for inspiration. Uh, Adam Sandler is a common listener of the mm -hmm. pod. So we figured we, you know, would give him a shout out here. And uh, He, was, he and, was in Philly recently, actually. Yeah, yeah. You hung out with Adam. Shooting in How was that? What's he playing these days? Uh, you know, uh, well, first off, we let me let me just say that Adam Sandler dresses like he's going to a magic tournament. Yeah, absolutely. He is. He is one of us. He's, <laughs> he's absolutely got, one of us. It's winter time. He's wearing basketball shorts. You know, that's just mm -hmm. how it is. That's how uh, it is. And he is also sleeping sandals. up, sleeping up to his him to Turox. You know, he just yeah. really wants to really wants to two for one some people. Yep, that's that's him. He plays. Uh, he plays goats actually. Oh, does he? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't goats. seen Yeah, I haven't seen tribal goats in a while, but you know, trading posts needs some action. So yeah. We a, should, uh, trading post actually does make goats for all of you listeners it does, out there. It does make goats. It does make goats. So um it's trading post the first planeswalker. Trading post was the OG <laughs> planeswalker design, right? Yeah. It's just a four-mana spell that does it draws a card, it makes a thing, it can potentially win a game. It was yeah. <laughs> it was planeswalker time. I lost I lost that. Uh Right before I, uh, literally right before I met my wife, I was playing a, uh, what, M13 uh, sealed tournament? Bro, whomst amongst us has not lost a game to Trading Post? Yep. Uh, it was uh, the last round before uh, they cut to top eight, and uh, I lost to Hugh Kramer, who uh, I, I thought I got him because I was like, ha-ha, I'm going to sign and blood you. You're at two life. And he was like, I will gain three life or four life, whatever that, that card does. As, it, and, as you uh, do. And he drew two extra cards because yeah. I, I signed and blooded him. Yeah. And, uh, and then he went and proceeded to win the game. That feels really good when your opponent just lets oh. you draw two cards and you don't die, right? Yeah, it's really <laughs> nice. It's excellent. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Hugh. He was also a common listener of the podcast, obviously. Yep. So let's dive in, bro. Like, you, got, you got the list ready? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's start out with uh, number one. Uh, Urza Saga is going to go, right? I mean, it's obviously got to go, right? If they're looking at cards that, that, that the format needs to change. I mean, it, it is a card that just does way too much for too little. I, I actually think that, um, like, of all of the cards, let, let me just state for, for the record here that I think the format is, if they left it alone, it's fine. The format is fine. Could it be better? Sure. But Power Creep is with us forever. Unless they actually deal with the inherent problems of the format, perfect mana, cantrips, free counter spells. I mean, all of this stuff is, you know, we're looking at it through a much more shallow lens than I think the format would need to actually make it feel any different than you would otherwise have for banning any amount of cards that aren't those problems. So uh, beyond that, though, Urza Saga does it all. And Urza Saga also means that every artifact that's zero mana or one mana they, they ever print here, here henceforth will have to be viewed through the lens of what if you can tutor it uncounterable for free via Urza Saga. And I feel like Similar to uh, the Aether Flux Marvel uh, idea where they were like, wow, we printed this card and now every seven mana plus spell has to be viewed through the lens of what if you cast yep. it at instant speed for four mana instead? Uh, it's the exact same thing with this kind of tutor that's incidentally playable in aggro combo and control decks. So yeah, obviously, there's a saga. Yeah, it's Stifle's design. Uh, it asks very little of deck building, right? It, so, if, uh, if anything, it enables you to play a bunch of stuff. Otherwise, it's, it's just a free package that you get to play in your deck yeah. pretty much. 
Yeah, it's also one of those things too. It's interesting in in modern uh, Urza Saga sees play in a, in a couple of different kinds of decks, but it doesn't have any one mana artifact that you can get that's a threat the way that we do in Legacy. So in Legacy, you have obviously Retrofitter Foundry. If you want to get more cute, you can tutor up things like Phyrexian Dreadnought and try and stifle it because some decks already play stifle anyway. But in modern, they just don't have threats. And so the decks that Urza Saga is contained to are fewer than, I mean, obviously you have Renin Six in that format, so it's a little bit different. But yeah. uh, the fact that Urza Saga can tutor threats means that any cool trinkety sort of artifact that's printed in the future, well, what if it were free and you could pull it out of your deck and run us away with a game. Yep. So Urza um, Saga is the first eight crazy cards. Yep. Uh, I, I would say it also has to go because if we unban uh, Sensei's Dividing Top, that's too much, man. Too much, that's too man. much. Way too much. Honestly, too, <laughs> like uh, how, how flavorful would it be if Urza Saga, the card, Named for after its namesake is banned. Makes total sense to me. <laughs> that entire block needed to go. The whole block. I mean, the whole they, block. They got like eight or nine cards in that block. Used to be that if you opened a pack from that uh from that block, you had a fifteen percent chance of being able to send it back to Wizards for a new pack. Okay. There, see, that's what that's <laughs> what we need to do. Just cycle them back to Watsy. Okay. Take the over under when the Brothers War comes out in Q four of twenty twenty two. How many? Broken one mana artifacts will be in that set, not because they are inherently broken, but because they will work with Urza Saga. Over under uh, on over, how many? Oh, What's the number? Over under, over under two and a half. Over if we're counting all formats. Yes, all formats counts. Over. over. Okay, you heard it. You heard it here first. I, I, I by default will take the have to take the under. That way, there's some stakes here. But uh, we'll we, we'll 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 flash forward when we do a holiday episode in 2022. Hello. Well, no, I'll, there you go. I'll yeah. buy you one of these oh, wow. uh, wonderful Merry Monkey beers that I've got here by uh, by Victory. There you go. And I, <laughs> as 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 an al alcoholic, I, I can appreciate it. All right, uh, number two, Ragavan. So, how do you feel about the monkey after it's been in the format for what six months? I'm ambivalent about it, but I think that um, here's the thing. Here's the only reason why I dislike this card. Um, mm -hmm. Aside from the fact that it hits your opponent's library and like gets stuff off your opponent's library, which is super annoying uh, for so many reasons, the fact that it makes a treasure token on top of that, that doesn't just have to be used on that card. It, ha it can be used for anything. That's the issue I have with this card is it's, it's a mana dork, dude. Yeah, it, it is also it is one of those things, I think, to the pressures of the format. Again, can't stretch through counter spells that make it pretty easy to connect with a Ragavan for the most part. I can tell you having played Modern, I know a bunch of other legacy players have been dabbling in Modern. Ragavan is like a seven in that format. It's obviously good when it's good, but it is mediocre a lot and you board it out a lot. Uh, and just because of how the, the, the makeup of the format is such that if you play it on one and they have a removal spell, it is guaranteed to hit the graveyard. You know, it's yeah. like, you can just put a blocker in front of it. And a lot of the time you're playing a deck where they're not going to be able to convert some amount of easy card advantage on you or cheap threats on you. And that has to do with the, the, the makeup of the format. So it's like Ragavan is doing a lot of work to highlight the, the other sins in the format. And it's a, uh, you know, it's a shame that we got to punish the monkey, but uh, man, is the target big on, on, on our little marsupial. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I mentioned a card we did not uh, go over in this, but it, it plays into your, your most recent point. And the reason why uh, Ragavan is not as good in modern. Number three, days. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we've had the, the long discussion on days. Yep. Uh, 
easy, easy pick here for our eight crazy bands. It, it, free counter spell, but it's free in that it trades. It doesn't trade down in card in card parity. It chain it trades for time, uh, and decks can exploit that. Uh, it's Especially also if you're aside, getting a free mana every turn. A free mana every turn. Uh, the the other side is, uh, I mean, free spells also naturally work with like a bunch of broken cards too. Uh, I mean, just any free card to turn on uh, a DRC trigger, a Young Peasy trigger. I mean, Young Peasy's been pushed out recently, but uh, any of that type of stuff. I mean, free is always busted, right? Yeah. Uh, the difference is uh, you don't have to go down a card to do it. It's just a free exchange, so it exacerbates the die roll really steeply. We did a breakdown. Uh, if you haven't listened to the, a previ the previous episode where we talked about uh, bands, but the uh, makeup of the format is such that 50% of decks play like Forcible Ponder Brainstorm, and then it, the next most played cards are like Fetchlands, and then it's Days, and then you drop off further before you get to any of the threats that are in Blue Red Delver. So it's because Days is in both Blue Red Delver and a bunch of combo decks, whether it's Show and Tell or Doomsday. So uh, it, it has the most ubiquitous of all of the cards that would seem like they are not the untouchables, if you will. But I also think that there's an argument to be made for getting rid of Ponder and therefore Preordain uh, if people really wanted to have a different feel of the format. So, um, And me, me even talking about Ponder going is making... Zach, crack another one open. He's got kind of, <laughs> like, here we go. Anyway, so yeah, I, I mean, Days has also been in that in that debate. Shout out to my it, wife it, for bringing me a uh, bottle opener because I didn't have one. It gets it, it'll <laughs> get the shout out. So the, the so far in the hypothetical overhaul of the format that Watsi is planning to do come uh, Monday after you hear this episode, uh, Days will be on that list. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, Allosaurus Shepherd, die in a fire. Yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting because like Allosaurus Shepherd is only in one deck now. Granted, if they were looking at the EU stats, like oh man, did elves crush EU? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Or I'm saying EU, e, uh, EW. Um, Eternal Weekend was absolutely dominated I was by saying, elves. There's a lot of people playing elves in in the yeah, European I, Union. I, 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 I just <laughs> no, I, I I'm so cool in my own head because EU spells EU that I always just in my Ew. mind I, I always think about it that way. Um, no, we're yeah, just no, adding elves, another U to it. It's double U. There you go. Yeah, EW. <laughs> uh, elves had an insane turnout that weekend, winning one of them, putting a, a crazy amount in, in, in top eights. Uh, and it, I think it's really on the back that you have this card that makes it so your opponent can't interact with you uh, outside of one particular axis. And it's also a win condition. For the, the, for, it, for the people who didn't follow Eternal Weekend, how many, how many were in the top eight? Let me double check right now so I don't actually give you the wrong answer. I do know that there were um, several mirrors in the first top eight. I know that Eternal Weekend Bayou Painting was won by um, Elves. So let me just take a quick look yeah, here. Let's, let's find out because I, I, that, that's I, I haven't delved into uh, the, uh, the the results uh, yet. So I was uh, following when yeah it was funny when following the um, following the top eights for the events everybody was expecting blue red delver to just like run rampant on on this on the on the three events right and then the first format is just dominated by elves so elves put up one two three three in the top eight and one of the first uh for, of the bayou event so it won the bayou event oddly enough there was one there was only one blue red delver in the top eight uh it was only one of two in the top 16 uh, eight cast, uh, the artifact deck actually had more top uh, eight cast, and elves had more in the top sixteen than Blue Red Delver did in the first event. 
Eight cast is a deck that I I think I might really like to play. You know, if we're getting rid of Urza Saga, I don't want to go uh, investing anytime soon. Of uh, oh, for yeah, the, I mean, I think that Urza Saga is obviously it's a pillar of the format, and going long it will create problems. Uh, it, like it will make other cards problems that otherwise would not have been problems. Yeah, uh, it does. It just does so much, right? It's just like you can or cannot use the mana to just make like ten power plus a tutor. So obviously it, it is overpowered for what it does. Overpowered for legacy, maybe not. But I also wonder if eight cast was a deck that we could have been playing the whole time and it just wasn't put together until Urza Saga came along. Obviously, Urza Saga well, is a huge uh, boon to that deck. The, but... the other part of eight cast is Thought Monitor. Right. No, I'm saying that like with Thought Monitor, would we still be able to play eight cast oh, even yeah. if we didn't have Urza Saga? Uh, you know, probably, like, probably, I, yeah. I, I don't know if the power level is there, but you would get maybe you the can thing get something is, back Urza like Saga actual Urza. Creating, creating, being an artifact land and creating. A, uh, oh, it's an enchantment artifact. Land. It's an enchantment land. Enchantment oh, sorry. land, not an artifact. Uh, sorry, uh, creating an artifact. Yeah, and then artifacts. being able to tap for tap for mana as well, right? Um, basically produces two mana for those casts. Because eight cast is thought cast and thought monitor are the cat eight cast. Yeah, the fact that it makes uh, at minimum, let's say you cast no other artifacts, you just make two bodies and tutor something. It made two three threes. Yeah, because it's also it also anthems your board, and then depending on what you get, so. Uh, Urza Saga, obviously, uh, on our, our A Crazy Band Cards list. But yeah, Elves dominated that first event. I'll look up the other two while we move on to the next card. The next card is number five, Tef 3. So, oh, we should probably speak to Fair 3. Why Alasaur Shepherd should go anyway. Alasaur Shepherd just makes it so that your opponent can't interact with you, right? So it, it, it just shuts off interaction. It's less so like, it, it picks up one deck, right? Alasaur Shepherd has seen no play in any other deck. It's not like that when it says green cards on it, as opposed to just elves, it could just say elves, right? It, it doesn't need to say green cards because no other green deck is actually utilizing it. So we it's would only be, elves. We would be lamenting that it didn't say uh, green cards because you might be able to use it in another deck had it actually said uh, elves. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, it, you it could it's... probably use this as a card to get green cards. It just says green cards, yeah. I mean... <laughs> If you played against it and it didn't make your natural orders and glimpse of nature's uncounterable, maybe it's less of a, a thing. But the fact that you can't, it, it itself can't be countered and then makes it so that it just blanks any type of, uh, like that whole axis of interaction. It just makes it so that games are, are not fun. Like cutting off interaction is just, un, it, it creates bad gameplay. It creates unreplayable gameplay. I mean, I have never enjoyed a game where Alasaurus Shepherd has come down. Now on the same in that same token, same thing with Teferi 3. I have played, I've, I've like, I've, I'm not an Elves player, but I have played many a blue-white control deck, and I've cast many a Teferi in my time, and I can tell you, at least from my experience, I assume from everybody else's, I have never enjoyed a game where Teferi came down, whether my opponent or I played it. It's just not a real enjoyable experience because it just limits what you can do. It limits the, the, the game that you're allowed to play and the fact that it's one, if it were symmetrical, sure. But the fact that it's asymmetrical, it makes it extremely unenjoyable yeah. to play. And games, I feel like games that were interesting or could be interesting are stripped of that because Teferi is part of it. So I think I, the, I, other, I think the, the uh, it being some, if it were symmetrical, it would be unplayable. Like there's no I way you wouldn't, will, you wouldn't even try to play it. You wouldn't build a deck around it. You wouldn't do any of that. I think it's powerful enough as like, okay, it's a city of solitude that's also a draw engine to remove, you know, yeah, troublesome maybe. things on the board. I still think that you you would see a world where it's like, okay, neither player can play on the stack, 
which means that instead of it being just incidentally a draw engine in control decks, right? It's just like another thing that you can slam yeah. from fire design and you can back it up with force and your opponent never gets to play anymore. If it were symmetrical, you would actually have to build toys around it where you go, okay, if I can't play on the stack that mean, and I'm building my deck around this card, then I probably don't want to put counter magic in my deck. I probably, you know, need less instance in my deck. I mean, the um, answer would be you just play like infect or something like that. Yeah. I mean, the, the downside too, is that like, uh, Teferi says that your opponents can't play on that axis and then also lets you plus one to play on that axis. So I don't know. The, the, the card as a design on the whole is it, it incidentally turning off a bunch of shit that I don't imagine was their intention and in design. Like, did you think that they wanted it to turn off Cascade? No, I don't think or, they did. Like, <laughs> it, it turns off a bunch of mechanics just incidentally because of how the stack works. Now, granted, I understand not very many people know what the stack is. Uh, the majority no, the of players stack is, is a mystery to me, but I think <laughs> I, I don't think anybody like Teferi isn't the foundation of any deck, the same way that Alasaur Shepherd isn't the foundation of elves. And even though elves gets a huge boon from it, <clears throat> I don't think anybody really is going to a people will still be able to play elves without Alasaur Shepherd. And every single deck that has Teferi isn't going to lose much by Teferi not being around. It just will make it so that any of those games in the future where people don't get to have fun or play the game that they actually signed up to play don't happen. So get those on the eight crazy bands. Gate eight crazy bands. Uh, number six, personal vendetta for me is Grizzlebrand. That card needs you to take go. This one. That card needs to go. We, we have so many interesting targets for reanimation. So many cool like targets for reanimation and people will never play them because Grizzlebrand exists and it's infinitely better than any of those other targets. We got uh, Archon of Cruelty just came out. Looks so cool. Uh, the, uh, what, the, um, that angel that like targets, uh, you choose a uh, spell type. Sarah's like, emissary? Emissary? Yes. Choose, Sarah's choose emissary, type. yeah, yeah. Those, those are so cool, but they will never get played because Grizzlebrand exists. We need four format diversity to remove Grizzlebrand. It's not going to, it's just going to be, it's going to knock down pegs a little bit for some decks like Sneak and Show, which like, seriously, do you need help on like, you're going to cast Grizzlebrand and then cast Emrakul after you get Grizzlebrand out? Get out of here. Get out of I here. I think there are, yeah, there are enough, too. there's enough fatties in the format that if you cheat them into play, I'm sure you'll still find a way to win. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think everybody's going to be okay. Also, I mean, pour one out for the other three demons that Liliana signed a contract with, right? Like, how many people out there can actually? Yeah. Can, okay. Here's the thing. You got you got one. Can you name the other two? Obnixilus. No, Obnixilus is a planeswalker. Uh... So Obnixilus is a demon that that had had a spark, lost his spark, and got it back. Got it back. Uh, okay. But that so has nothing got... to do with Liliana. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. You got so demon there's... lord Belzenlock. Belzenlock. Uh, Grizzlebrand. The one from. Uh... Kamigawa, I forget his name. From Kamigawa, right? Wasn't it the one from no. Kamigawa? No, no, I don't know, man. That's that's what that is, Phil. That's new trivia. I know old trivia. Okay, so there's by new Razaketh. trivia, I mean like you know, in the last twenty years. <laughs> there, there's there's Razaketh, of course. Razaketh, of course. Bells and Lock. Yep, which you got Grizzlebrand, and you want to take a stab at the final one? Uh. Can you name a set? Give me a set. So it was actually, the, the, the last one wasn't a mythic. This was the one of the cycle that was only a rare, and it was a rare in Origins. 
Please, mm. please, everybody out there, don't ask me why I know this stuff. I, I, I follow the lore. I a enjoy rare this in origins. Oh, yeah. Um, chain veil, the, the demon guy. Close, close. The chain veil the chain veil was a uh, particular thing of magic that she used to curse Garrick. Yes, Underwood. I know. I have no idea. Uh, Kothafed. Co- what? Kothafed is a six six that doesn't do anything nearly as powerful as Grizzlebrand. I feel like Kothafed is the one I thought was the. Uh, so if, if, if this helps, one. so do you know the alternate artwork demonic tutor that has Liliana on it? Yeah. So yeah, that is exactly what I thought it was. But I thought it was, uh, I thought that was from Kamigawa or something. So the demon in that artwork with Liliana is Kothafet. Cool. So there you go. There's your, there's your <laughs> trivia, everybody. The, I mean, everybody's gonna have a better awareness of, of of those demons being the ones that Liliana signed her contract with because they're doing a secret layer of specifically those five cards. So. We're all gonna secret, we're all gonna get a refresher. Layer, secret layer unplayable demons and grizzle secret layer grizzle bland <laughs> and unplayables. Now, granted, like the other demons are are houses in EDH, obviously. Uh Bells and Lock. Yeah, Bells and Lock is, is is a deck like you you literally yeah. can win if you can cast him on like you just play like ways to cast Bells and Lock and yeah. and he like immediately wins the game. Interestingly enough, there is like a uh uh a, a b-rated grizzle brand in villas that you know yeah. doesn't really see play because well, he's, brand he's is great better, you can but... play him in uh in uh what uh kerik kerik the Kirk. Uh, son of yagmoth yeah i mean the the villas in reanimator it's like if you reanimate villas uh it has the text of whenever you lose life draw that many cards and when it etbs off of or when it is in play off of a reanimate it does see the eight life that you lose so you oh, will sorry. just draw a naturally so if you reanimate a villas it is functionally similar to reanimating grizzlebrand and then paying the life and actually saying, man gives you one more card for half of the life financially what's good for the goose is good for the gander watch villas skyrocket buy your villases now before before monday guys because they're banning Be- grizzlebrand on monday before watsy goes on their eight crazy ban streak <laughs> Because they have to appeal to, I mean, honestly, like they need to not take any financial advice from me or Phil on Magic the Gathering. Think about it's it like this. It's not a good idea. <laughs> when Post Malone is squaring off in the arena championship against Adam Sandler, not playing Grizzle Branch, you're going to be like, wow, these guys fucking nailed it. Yo, we really need to get Post Malone on the cast. Post Malone's already a, a very active listener of the, of, of the cast. What's yeah, up, yeah, Austin? Yeah. We we and we would just call that that particular uh, post. We would just call that the Malone Pod. Yeah, a little, get a little posty. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, also like I don't want to speak for for Post because I mean he can speak for himself. Obviously, he's a recording artist. He you know he can literally just hop on the track anytime he are, wants. Are we not recording artists? Are we not getting paid to record uh, musical parodies for for the masses? It is true. I mean, it is true. <laughs> let, let let's just let's just confirm that you know Post also agreed with all of our. Uh, a crazy ban speculation. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, he 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 chimed in for sure. Yeah, and for what it's worth, like we do have the celebrity backing on this list. So well, happy holidays. Let's let's move on to seven. And speaking of chain veil, we're talking veil of summer. Yeah, same thing, right? Veil of summer just puts so much pressure. I mean, there's there's a whole another swath of cards uh, in addition to Veil that's actually putting the pressure on why Black is un, uh, seemingly unplayable in this format beyond a splash for like Baleful Strix. But Veil of Summer, man, did they really get loosey goosey with the words "draw a card" on that one? It just didn't need to do that. If it just didn't have the draw card on it and be 
just a nutter butters, uh, a nutter butter hoser for uh, 40% of the color buy. Uh, you know, I think they recognize that it was a mistake by banning it from literally every other format that isn't vintage. So, you know, hey, yeah. you want to take the pressure off. The only deck that plays it right now are control mirrors, if they're playing green and are even interested in it at this point, and then specifically the Epic Storm. And, you know, it's like, I feel like there are enough silences that if that's what the Epic Storm wants to be doing, they could do it. Yeah. So wait, are we banning this or not banning this? Oh, Vela Summer's got on the eight crazy nights. It's got to go. Gone. It's got to okay. get out of here. Eight crazy nights. All right. Um, hey, how about uh, Oro, Titan of Nature's Wrath? Night, Nature of Titan's Wrath? How, how is it said? Titan of Nature's Wrath. Yeah, Titan your best friend and mine. All right, let's talk a little bit about Bane Drifters. There is a uh, colloquial term in our lovely game called the Bane Drifter, where a card both draws cards and is a dominant threat that takes over the board. Uh, a combination of Baneslayer Angel, a 5-5 with protection from demons and dragons with first strike and lifelink that in its heyday was a $50 mythic that came down and controlled the board. And uh, also known the as Wallet Slayer Angel. Wallet Slayer Angel. And then you also take uh, Mold Drifter, our lovable elemental that you can evoke for uh, a divination's worth of mana to get a divination's worth of cards. Now, if you were to slap them together, you would get something very close to what exactly Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath is. Divination. Which, uh, uh, <laughs> so the, 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 the issue with Bane Drifters is that they do it all. And so it pushes out anything that isn't also a Bane Drifter. So why would you play only a Bane Slayer and then also play only a Mold Drifter when you could just play a Bane Drifter? So Uro, for what it's worth, at a legacy power le level, now that Astrolabe is gone, and there actually is some mana uh, constraints on double blue, double green to escape it from the yard. Is it legacy power level? Sure. We've seen it. It seems like it's totally fine. Uh, but what Uro does do is it oppresses any deck that can't fight on, the, on both axes the way that Uro does. And Uro is such a contained package that you can then play all of the other good cards around it. So if you wanted to play any type of synergy-based deck, you would simply get buried by Uro decks because they don't have to spend any other slots on tools that would control the game and go up cards. Uro does it all. It, yeah, well, the, the thing with Uro is that, like, why would you not play it if you're playing that kind of deck? It's, so, you're, that's four cards that you've already knocked out as far as con coming up with an idea of what to play. You're definitely playing Uro, right? I, th I, I think that the constraint that Uro does on particularly black cards. So there's been the, the, the ongoing discussion of how black is unplayable outside of certain splashes for like Plague Engineer, Baleful Strix. Um, but black removal uh, between Uro and the printing of Prismatic Ending, which we can get into, that black is not the best color for removal. White is because it has Swords to Plowshares and Prismatic Ending now. I would argue black never had, was never the best removal color. Like you can argue you had Assassin's Trophy and Abrupt Decay, that meant you were in Golgari, but white has always been the best removal in Legacy, not because black doesn't have you know enough options between like Snuff Out and Fatal Push, but specifically because the threats that black can't beat are because the removal can't interact with them. Black removal sucks against Uro because Uro just doesn't give a shit. And then Merit Lage also exists in this format. So the, the, the text of like all of the removal in black it's not that the removal isn't efficient enough or um, versatile enough. It's that all of it destroys instead of exiles. 
If there was a black removal spell that said exile, then maybe Uro wouldn't be such a problem for it. But if you've ever had to line up a fatal push against an Uro, you know you're losing that game. Like, and it's not going to be close. So Uro, I think, is is the the biggest application as to why black has ceased to really be a, a, a main color in a deck. Because before you could make some concessions against Merit Lage between edicts. Maybe you're if you're in blue, you can play Brazen Bar or what have you. But now that both Merit Lage, so lands, decks, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and fair decks and control decks playing Uro. All right, so now there's a, a good portion of a multitude of different decks that are just going to shit on black removal. I, I think that it's it would be totally fine for all of the cards that can't see play because Uro exists. And there's a lot of cool cards. Uh, the the new slime that came out, that's like the... the yeah, Slogurk, Slogurk, whatever. There's a lot of... The same way that Grizzlebrand oppresses all of the other reanimator targets that you can play, Uro is going to suppress all of the other like mid-range threats that you could play in your uh, control mid-range decks because it just does it. He does everything and it does it better than everything else. And they, in order for them to like to match it with something means that they would have to print something better than what Uro already is, which I fear to think about. So for the similar arguments that Grizzlebrand is on our eight crazy nights, so is Uro. Get that shit out of here. All right, here's number eight, Urion. So Yorian is uh, in place of the companion mechanic. Uh, it's currently the only real companion you can play in Legacy. Yep. Uh, this is less so a slight at Yorian itself and more so just a slight at companion in general. No, no, no. I slight Yorian. It's not doing anything interesting, man. That isn't, you're just making 80 card decks that have like basically the same card in them. Like I you're just think choosing cool. the same card to be slightly a different card and you're filling your deck full of tutors get out of here with that shit man come on don't pretend I, like death and taxes isn't the exact same deck but gets an extra free card in its opening hand that's horseshit continue talking about uh companions though that's important but i'm just saying this 80 card deck shit is just it's 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 not innovation I feel like uh, you and I sound like we're disagreeing, even though we're not. No, we're definitely agreeing here, 100%. Yeah, I, I think that Yorion as a card, like five mana, blink your whole board. I think it would be interesting to see if that type of thing was actually powerful enough in a DNT deck without, or really any deck without, like Aluren or whatever, without the need for companion. Like, is it too much? Maybe. Like, maybe you need to be like, a four mana three four that does the same thing to, to like actually get in range, but maybe not. I don't know. But it, it's pretty obvious that like companion was obviously a mistake from the get-go. It was it was too powered for the effects that you were getting. And Luris, Luris right now, in modern at least, it's literally combo versus Luris versus Murktide. That's the format. Uh you have some argument that like Kahira also in control decks and the elemental decks like sees sees room, but in that case, it's literally just a colored spell that you can put from your into your hand for free and uh, pitch cast something. Luris is actually the one that you're going to put onto the board and is going to run away with the game. And that would happen in Legacy too. The thing is, is that Luris is an extremely powerful card that would probably see play as just a three mana three two with its main text, even without the companion text in Legacy. Like I'm sure uh, there would be decks that would just play Luris in their main board, uh, backed by a Caracas, recurring their baubles or whatever. And it would be fine. It would be interesting. There would be some contention there uh, between it versus all of the other three drops that are powerful in Legacy. 
but with companion text, it's too much. And I think it would be interesting if, in, if they've already errated companion, just say that companions are banned in legacy. You can play companion cards, just not as companions. Can't, yeah, and, you can't use the companion rules text. And then the same thing if like Zerta came off the ban list, if you can't just put it into your hand for free to make all of your artifacts literally cost nothing to activate, then if you had to spend three mana to do it, you probably still can combo out, but maybe you can't combo out as quickly. Gyruda? I'm into it. I mean, Gyruda, you can't like LED it for free. Good. You know, yeah. like maybe there's there, there, there could still be combos there. I mean, people play Gyruda uh, in their main boards with the Gyruda companion if they're trying to one-shot people now anyway. I, I just think that like they recognize the companion is a mistake and yet we're still like lingering with that mistake and they're probably they were, not going to do any more companions in the future. To me, to me, the whole companion thing is like they were trying really hard to make the year of uh, the year of uh, commander like be a real thing and like really stamp their foot down as far as like what design could do. And they swung for the fences and literally like shot a cannon, you know, like, I'm, I, I'm all for them taking those big swings. Oh, I love it. And, and they, like, missing, like, I'm totally cool with having like those month and a half, two months where they're like, we took the biggest swing we could think of because we thought it would be cool. It was clearly a train wreck. We're going to course correct real quick. We and please accept that we're going to do this and and take those swings because that keeps things fun and interesting. All for that. Yeah, but I mean, when they, I interviewed they, Chris Cox about about like what they were doing with design, he said we're going to take big swings, and I I love that. I I'd rather that than like just reprinting divination constantly. You know. Yeah. Like but, no one needs great that. to take those swings. They just they, I feel like with companion they they half stepped. They were like okay, summer band. Uh, we're going to errata the whole mechanic uh, and then figure it out. And, you know, Luris will be banned in vintage and then unbanned in vintage to restricted. And then in legacy, it'll stay banned. But like, we're going to ban it without actually trying out the, the new errata version of it in the format. It's like Luris never got a chance. Granted, I still think Luris will be a problem as a, as a companion, even with the three mana up front. That being said, I think it's like, an interesting card that I doubt they're going to print that kind of text again on a yeah. threat for a while uh, that isn't a companion. And that's a shame because I think it would have been cool for mainly black, white decks. I think it would be cool if Luris, if they just reprinted Luris without the mechanic, uh, the companion mechanic as one white black, because hybrid mana is way closer to colorless mana than we realize. Yeah, it's very but close. So it's very uh, close. So uh, we've talked about uh, our eight, our eight crazy brands. We actually mentioned nine cards. I think I didn't count one of them. Who cares? Eight crazy it's bands. Crazy. Right. We talked about card dude on ban. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you time on the clock, 30 seconds to talk about Sensei's Divining Top. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously Sensei's Divining Top uh, with, as long as there's a saga's around, like it, there's no way it can come back. Uh, I think for power level purposes, like it could come back, but it's at the same time, like, I, I feel like a lot of people for some reason remember it as a net negative on the format because of how it interacted with uh, counterbalance. But I also think that it hindered a lot of other decks that wanted selection that if they weren't playing blue, they found that they could manipulate the top of their library and have selection and, and Sensei's Divining Top. I think something like that, a card that's akin to Sensei's Divining Top that could give other decks that aren't blue selection, even if it's not as good, right? You have to go down a card uh, by, by putting it onto the table. If you want to continue getting that selection, you have to put mana into it every turn. It's obviously powerful. I think they could come out with something that's akin to it that is not directly what Sensei's Divining Top is because it's so powerful. 
I think that it would be interesting if they just put senses divining text on a creature, because then every time you flip it, it is then summoning sick, which means that it's susceptible to removal. Take it, it also would mean that it is not as good with terminus in that if I flip it and terminus, I would then have to replay it and it is exposed as a creature. If you're playing it in those kind of control decks, there probably aren't going to be that many other creatures for your removal to hit. So it is going to have a glaring lightning rod on its head and probably not be very good. But in decks that aren't playing shit like that, it might be interesting that you can now play a creature deck that has some amount of uh, deck manipulation and selection at the cost of power in, on the board. Similar to how Mom is exceptionally powerful, but it's a 1-1, it isn't really get rumbling in combat. Yeah. Uh, I think there's there's space for that that could be interesting because the more and more uh, we get into the space where Blue get, always gets to do it all because it has Ponder and Brainstorm, you have certain things like Oath of Nyssa and Adventurous Impulse and Green that like limit the types of cards you can find. And those are really powerful selection tools, but there aren't the tools around that in the context of the format to really leverage those cards, even though they are kind of Ponder with upside. And that's my piece. Fine. Okay. Um... So uh, let's let's go do a, a quick rant. I've got a rant. I want to talk about alchemy real fast, man. Alchemy on Magic Arena. Some of you folks are playing Magic Arena. That's Hearthstone. And uh, to me, what this is saying specifically about about uh, what's going on with design right now is, uh, you know, the fact that they can like change the cards and stuff. I look, Arena's fine. I think it's fun to play Arena. I I do it occasionally just to look at the new cards, do sealed, sealed and whatnot. What alchemy is, is not Magic the Gathering, like, to me. To me, personally, to me, that's my opinion, whatever. Um, but the idea that Wizards is going to slapdash some cards together and make you, the you the player, playtest them for them so that they can make on-the-fly design changes is out-of-control insane to me. That is not, uh, that's just not Magic the Gathering, I feel like that is uh, that's beta testing and not paying you to do it. Yeah, so I am in a somewhat similar view, but I think I'm a little bit more lenient for 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 two reasons. Look, it's fun. I'm not mad about that. I'm just saying they're they're, they're not paying us to beta test. We shouldn't be paying uh, for those cards. I say the 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 first the the reason that I'm okay with it is they recognize that they have a bunch of people who are going to play early on no matter what and they want to continue feeding those mouths like with 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 toys and there's no way for them to test at the speed that they need to keep up with demand for new things with how many new digital players they have and yeah, the speed no, at which right. digital moves compared to paper yeah now to, to, to that like, end to that end i want to i want to i want to interrupt you for one second that so is why I don't play uh, Hearthstone anymore because Hearthstone gets boring very quickly because the card pool is so much smaller. And what happens is the format gets figured out immediately and it takes them too long. It takes them Magic the Gathering band times too long to figure out what they need to nerf in order to keep playing. Please finish what you're saying though, Phil. So in, in that vein, it's like, I can understand if they're like, hey, there's no way we can play test at the speed that we would need to to keep up with the demand that we know we need to supply. And in order to fix that, they're gonna take the pioneer approach where they're like, look, we will actively make fast nerfs as we see fit. Uh, that's know that up front, at least they're communicating that to us, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I can, I, that, that is, at least they're saying, this is what it is. If you don't like it, don't do it. If you're cool with it, that's fine. That's the approach we're gonna take. We've thought about it, but this is the route we're gonna take. I Do I agree with it? 
no, I think that like you should play, you should play test your own game and like know what you're putting out there. But at the same time, I can understand why they're making the decision. At least they're communicating it. The other I think, thing, I think you're, I think you're right on that. Yeah, go on. I was going to say that the other thing too that at least for us players that have been playing paper for the majority of our lives is that since Arena has come out, and then particularly when Paper Magic was unavailable to the entire world for like a year and a half, the uptick in digital players was so vast and so lopsided at, at, at a speed that they probably didn't anticipate that now there is a large portion of players that play the game that have never actually held a physical card and never wild. will. It's wild. So now they have to, now they're, they're designing not only for paper players like us, but for entirely and strictly digital players that have no interest in playing paper. Those are two different sections of players that they have to, supply for the same way that any other game would have to supply for multiple different uh yeah. ways that it's you like can play. it's like warhammer you've got your 40k players you got your fantasy players or age of sigmar as they call it now um but you have people that want to play different styles and i'm not mad at that i'm not I, i'm also not mad that it's not magic like oh look i think that it is a smart business move by uh hasbro slash wizards of the coast i think that's that and that part is fine i'm just saying for me that's not magic. Will I play it? Perhaps, but uh, it's not. It's not what I was looking for. So we're all. I feel like we are in that like the the couple years in between where Watsi's output of product is so much, like so overwhelming with so much product that like magic the community as a whole is going to have to get acclimated to the idea that when they come out with something like before they would come out with what four sets a year, right? And so yeah. you would look forward to when that set was going to come out, you get yourself hyped up. Preview season would be a big deal. Like if, if anything ever got leaked, it was like, it was the, it was crazy. Right. Whereas now there's so much shit put out and so many things were like, is this even real? I don't even know. Yeah, you're not even sure if a is. spoiler is, 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 spoil is actual spoiler or not now yeah when they say <laughs> when, when they like use the the term that like may may peeve some people where they say this product isn't for you i feel like we're we just have some to get people. to we have to get acclimated <laughs> to the point where when you see a product before you go is this good or bad go is this actually like is this targeting me or not do, do i need to spend that money you know like, it's like I, like alchemy was the first time where i was like okay i don't really play digital anymore now that paper is available i just prefer playing in paper yeah and so and i haven't played any historic so when alchemy was first spoiling these cards i immediately was like i recognize i'm never going to play these cards so i'll look at them and see where their design space is because i think that's fun to see where their heads are at but this is never going to affect me because I know this product is not for me. And so now any alchemy card that they're coming out with where I'm like, why would they do this? Or why, where, where are they going with that? Is that going to affect anything else? I'm like, I think it's entirely separate. It's not going to influence their paper designs. They're going to print products that are for me and I'll enjoy those when they come out. Yeah. And my, just, biggest, and from it. my biggest concern about this is, is not so much is whether or not this product is for me is that it takes up the, um, the talk space of what Magic the Gathering is. Um, and so like when I go and see like, oh, LSV wrote an article and he's like, oh, I wrote an article about this random card that is using rules that aren't even in Magic the Gathering. I'm like, you know, I respect this guy. I like to read his articles and see what he's talking about. But now like half his articles because he writes for a company that 
profits off of Magic the Gathering. You know, he's got to he's got to cover that. That's not I'm not I don't disparage him for covering that. But it's like now I don't want to read that article in in a ton of other stuff that like I love reading his stuff. But that is just like it's a bridge too far. That's my biggest complaint about that stuff. And it's not that big a complaint. Like more content is not bad. I keep telling this to the Wheel of Time people. More content is not bad. I would say that going off your point, I think rather than it limiting, like it's limiting specifically what LSV could write about if he's just getting paid the most to write about that thing. But with more, like like you said, more content being a good thing, I think if people wanted more legacy specific, like written content, that means that there's an opportunity to be had there. I mean, you are somebody who has built shit from the ground up. I know that you recognize when a market is available and be like, this is, there's a demand for this. I want to supply it. I just write you, and let people, and let people decide if they want to hear me, hear me you've, yell into the you, void. You've done it. You've done it by, fi- <laughs> by, by, by finding magic sites. You founded this podcast. Like you've recognized that there is a demand for something and you can supply it. I mean, and I you've done it. That. You've done it multiple times. You're giving me way so, too much credit. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying that like, once again, if there's if 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 all of like the major sites are some, are doing like what is the 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 first step in for like whether it's standard content uh, or alchemy content now probably modern content because it's the most popular format. If there's just like a demand for legacy content, I mean, we see on Twitter a bunch of people will just write an article and then share it and be like, I wanted to put my thoughts together and then do and then to share it. If there was just a hub for that, if there was if there was a, a, a site, like if we just came out with eternalturtles.com and we're just a hub for people to submit their content to and we would post it for everybody to see. Is it time? Be, is it, is, time? it might be time. But you know is what I mean? Like it, might, it might actually be time for that, especially if you're looking at like Star City and Channel Fireball and like the major sites and going, the content that I would like to read about is just not being supplied. Yeah. The, the same way that TOs, uh, I, I like community TOs, not Watsy. I think should get into like the legacy game of or the legacy tournament game because there's clearly legacy players that are willing to travel and pay for events. Yeah. As as we saw with the legacy pit, and we saw what would have been with the Missouri Open had it not been canceled due to COVID. Like the demand is there. Like the 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 the, the demand is there. It just the supply needs to catch up. And I think that there's availability for that. So like, I mean, this this is the part where like let us know, uh, listen, dear yeah, listeners, join the dear, Patreon and tell us. Post Malone, Adam Sandler. <laughs> it, it's like if 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 you think that there is, if, if you think it is worthwhile to like do something like that, that would make it because like that's a lot of maintenance. It's a lot of maintenance, but like we could do it. I think we it's, could do it's, it. Yeah, it's not it's not impossible. I've proven it once before. Uh, you know, like for those of you who don't know, I founded Hipsters of the Coast. I no longer deal with Hipsters of the Coast, but like I could do that again in a heartbeat. Like it wouldn't take it wouldn't take a whole lot. Like. It, it it was a it was a minimal effort to me. To me, Magic the Gathering, uh, the content I'm looking for is not so much uh, format specific. It's having good times with your friends. It's all it is. Like I had a big party with my buddies uh, a couple months ago where we all met at a beach house and we played Magic for the entire weekend. Played Commander, which is like now it's like my second format. Like I that's my. That's what I do now. I go on uh, spell table. And I play. I play uh, commander with my friends. So uh, it, it's it's hang out with your friends, and uh, and and having a good time. And if anything can like you can do that with anything, you know. Like uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be even magic, you know. 
I'm playing a lot of Diablo 2 right now. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm going to take a contrarian view here. I'm going to put all of my friends on the eight crazy band. Get out of here. <laughs> Everyone, you got to go. Yeah. Anyway, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think that like the, with all of the new stuff coming out, if there's something that irks you, uh, I think that it, just changing the frame a little bit to be like, why are they doing this? How could they do this? To be like, what does, how, how can we, how can we do more to like get, like get actually what we want and be able to have those conversations with our friends and, and enjoy the game that we enjoy playing. They have a lot of masters to deal with. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's more I, space for us to do whatever we want and we can just do those things. I think for me, for me, uh, what, what that whole, like the, 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 what I call rant culture is, is like, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Now that it's off my chest, I don't care. Like they can do whatever they want and I'm not mad about it. And I think a lot of times people see someone like me doing a rant, just being like, oh, why, uh, you know, and then I'm good. Like after I get it out of my system, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, like you want to do whatever you want. You need to make money. You need to make money to keep making the game that I love. Right. Um, but some people read a rant or hear a rant like that. And they think this guy's mad at the game. I'm like, no, no, I just had to get that stuff off my chest. And now I'm great. I'm happy that uh, people are having fun with that. Like, I'm not like, why would I be mad about that? That's a great thing. If people are having fun playing magic, that means that, you know what? They're not thinking about all the other crap in their lives. that's terrible. Like going to work every day or like dealing with like shitty relationships or like your dad's crazy or your mom's nuts or like, you know, like all the stuff that you would have to deal with on a daily basis. We get to live for a while in a fantasy land where wizards reign supreme and um, you know, you never really die. You just go back to 20 life and shuffle up and play again. You know, like to me, that's, that's a blast. Well, I think. Uh, it's all friendship and rainbows over here, as far as I'm I think. I, I, I think friendship and rainbows should be the subtitle. And I think that was a, a, a good way to, to finish off our journey here on, uh, on our holiday episode. Yep. Uh, we will maybe, depending on what happens, Maybe what post happens? One more post one more this year. Uh, I'll be on vacation a bit, so I, I'll try. I'll try and chime in with uh, with Phil and get one more out this year. I know we were we slipped a little bit in the last the last couple of weeks. I, I'm very sorry for that. Uh, holidays come up, and then I just get killed at work. But uh, I I want to get some more episodes out for you guys, and I hope to get uh, something more steady going uh, in the new year. Um, for sure. If I don't. If I don't talk to you guys before the new year, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Um, what else? Uh, you know, I, I hope things are, go are going well for all of you. And uh, I hope you get to see your friends soon. I, I just got my third shot. I'm excited to, see, to finally see my dad after like a year and a half for Christmas. Yeah, obviously get vaccinated, uh, get the boosters. It's great. Uh, I got my booster. Yeah, I, I went when I was getting my booster, I was anticipating feeling like absolute dog shit. Like oh, I, I got, second I got shot. knocked out. Uh, but the, the, like the third shot was was no fever. It's you're oh, a little achy, you're, you're a little tired. Dude, you young, I, I, like, you young man. Dude, I my, <laughs> I woke up feeling like I was 80. Dude, my stout, <laughs> like limber age of 22 really played in my favor here. Oh, yeah, it helps. So uh yeah, yeah. man, me, me at 33. I, I just couldn't handle it. Yeah, you just can't you can't <laughs> hack it anymore, man. No, but yeah, no. I at forty one, I felt I felt forty one and a half. Let me tell you. Yeah, um, you definitely it definitely adds those six. You feel those six months a lot sooner. Yeah, I got I got crushed, but I you know I had some Gatorade uh, and I took some aspirin, and and the day later I was feel I was feeling fine. 
Um, Dude, let us let us all pray that uh, you know all these cards are going to go, and then we can go back to complaining about TNN. Yeah, dude. We can go yeah. back, back in the yeah, good old days. We'll bring back Nate to talk yeah. about how yeah. we should yeah. back, back in the good old days when there was nothing to complain about. Yeah, yeah. When everything, when everything was great. Um, and fi- final thought, uh, I want to thank our Patreon uh, supporters. Uh, you guys have been uh, keep, keeping it going for almost three or By four way, years like, now. Yeah, join the Discord, everybody. Like that, That's just join something Discord. you get to do. We're just on the, the Discord, Discord constantly. If you're, if you're not in the Discord, join it. You can always uh, at me or Phil. It's Dirtle Magus and Force of Phil, uh, and and we'll add you. Like I'll do it in a second. Like there's it, just be respectful on there. We're all there to have a good time. We're just all we're doing is is BSing, talking about uh, parody ideas, uh, dropping brews, and uh, it's it's a good time in there actually. The, and especially right now, the folks that are in there. Are, uh, are are a blast. It's it's Bless. a lot of fun to, to jump in there, and I'm there almost all day long because I because I'm at home at work, so I uh, I pop in from time to time to just make sure that if anybody said anything, I can respond. So I'm, I'm there a lot. There and and obviously it's also in the Discord. We're also always down to be talking deckless brews, the whole the whole shebang. So we're just definitely weird. you know I'll talk about wheel of time. You know I'll talk about there. I'll talk about whatever. It's it's also a lot easier too. Like um you know when we're recording. Uh, both finding time in our schedules to both hop on uh, to record a caster in the holiday seasons, you know, it's like schedules lining up was a little bit tighter, but on, we can just like hop on discord incidentally throughout the yeah, day, oh, yeah. like, well, you know, chime and, in. And so. Hopping on discord is, is a great place where we find a lot of ideas for future casts as well. That is true. Um, yeah. To, to that end, Phil, I wanted to ask you, uh, I just started reading a new book series. Have you been reading anything uh, recently? Have you so been I, recording anything recently? Yeah, so I, I have uh, I have been recording a new audiobook recently uh, oh, that should come out during the holiday it. season. Yeah, so uh, back when I was doing audiobooks full time, uh, I was recording. Phil's a voice uh, actor, everybody. Yeah, I did I did uh, a bunch of audiobooks uh, for Audible, and uh, one of the first books I ever recorded was a sci-fi adventure uh, trilogy uh, called Zombie Turkeys, and it was oh. essentially a, a, a strain of zombie bacteria infected turkeys uh across the u.s and then was spreading and we follow our heroes who try and stop that the pilgrims plague. yeah exactly uh <laughs> and so that that author you know it's comedy adventure uh you know obviously it's zombie turkeys uh he wrote a couple more books and so i did a couple more books and then he just came out with his fourth so the trilogy turned to a fourth book and he just offered me even though i'm not doing audiobooks full-time anymore he was like hey i got a fourth book do you want it and I was like, yeah, let's do it. It's cool. So that'll be coming out soon. Uh, I got to get, I gotta get you to do my audio book. I've written a book. I just have to get you to do the audio portion. Dude, the, if, if, you, if you want audio for your audio book, I will, I will record it in a nice sultry baritone for you. That'd be great. Um, the uh, other thing I've been doing is, uh, do you remember the original Thran series? Of course. Oh, yeah. Like, I know you read those are books. You, wait, are you, are you rereading so, it or are you recording it? No, no, no. I, I wish I were recording it. That'd be dope. No, I'm going back. <laughs> I'm... I, with the brothers war coming out i thought it was now the nice. time because i have i have a kindle right like i can get any yeah, books yeah, that i want there. on there for like two bucks five bucks so i decided i, I got all, i got all what is it five books the classics of course the, all the classics so I got all, do and all the thran stuff right all the thran stuff so i got all those books and i'm rereading my way through those and that's going to be like uh during my time off at the end of the year that i uh, that i i will spend uh, that's just going to be what I read through as we get to, uh, I'm just going to read all those books, uh, in anticipation of brother's work. I am rereading, rereading, uh, and then reading for the first time, 
the uh, Dragonlance series. How's that? It's great, man. Margaret Weiss and uh, Tracy Hickman uh, mm-hmm. basically created this whole world in uh, Dungeons and Dragons that was sort of really the first like real campaign setting after like uh, uh, Ravenloft. So yeah. think of think of Dragonlance as sort of Dragons of Tarkir, uh, mm-hmm. but but like way more medieval and way less like uh, you know the the Mongols. So um, like more Sarkin. No, so like more Tassigar, less Sarkin. I would say imagine it being like more Sarkin, less Zergo. Oh man, it's it, more. Uh, it's it's fucked up because this is how it's going to sound. More uh, realms of, of uh, forgotten realms, adventures of forgotten realms, and less dragons of Tarkir. But like more, there are no orcs in this in this world. Oh, there okay. are dr- draconians, which are like dragon people. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I know draconians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, um, I, I I get that. It's, I get it's a that really great. Be. It's a really great thing. It's got like a whole anti-hero thing where like uh, uh, Wapsi put out a uh, animated uh, version of the first book. Uh, it Ooh. might be on Netflix, um, but uh, Kiefer Sutherland plays Rasslin, which is one of the main characters, and Michelle Trachtenberg, who I have acted with, uh, plays uh, plays uh, one of the main characters as well. Everybody, I know everybody. Everybody remembers Michelle Trachtenberg from Euro Trip. Don't Euro even Trip, act like you, don't even act like you don't remember. Shout out, shout out, shout out to Eric Higby for Scotty doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was it, it, it? Did did he record? Was he the the artist behind that? No, Eric Higby, uh, a, a good friend of the cast. Eric Higby uh, did uh, on my thirty seventh birthday did karaoke. He'd never done karaoke before, but he chose to do uh, Scotty doesn't know. Um, perfect, perfect classic. karaoke song. So much yeah. fun, great, great time. Um, but anyhow, uh, I watched that with my wife this year, and it was her first time ever watching Eurotrip. She knew about it, but she hadn't watched it. And she goes, is Matt, is that Matt Damon? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, she has yeah. no idea. And it like yeah. happened and she was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, that was peak Matt Damon actually, yeah. Peak, peak Matt Damon. All right, well, we should, we should end this. It's been a blast. Phil, it's, it's good hearing from you. It's been, it's been a minute. It's, it's, it's been great hanging out. It's been great hanging out. Just wait until next time when I tell you uh, where I've taken miracles now. <laughs> cemetery illuminator everybody cemetery look up that card look that card up we'll talk about it next time all right have a good one everybody
You know, I just don't think she cares all that much about legacy these days. They're just all printing the power creep and whatnot. It's a damn shame. Oh, 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 oh,